We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Wednesday, and it's NBA time. We're back to the NBA grind as usual. Now that uh, football is pretty much over, and uh, and I see you guys in the YouTube chat with the, the, the all NBA until the baseball season comes back, uh, if it comes back. Uh, hopefully, it comes back. But uh, feel free to give me those thumbs ups on your way in the door. Thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs ups, downs. I don't think you could do downs anymore. I don't think so. I think they took that away. But do it some ups, right? Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Matt Mears is here. Jeff Chambers. Trey. Shane Newman. The regulars. They're here. If you listen on the podcast feed later, a lot of people do. If you could sign up on, uh, on iTunes, subscribe there or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review it there, and uh, and you could uh, you know you always always submit your questions. You could always join the Roto Grinders Discord. Go to the Blenders Game Theory channel, and if you're not here live in the morning, you'd always ask whatever the hell you want on that channel. I do a private group coaching calls in there, so sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, RotoGrinders.com/slash/premium, or click on the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. So yesterday was the first NBA slate I played in like two months and uh, didn't, didn't really go well, right? Didn't really go well. I, I played 20 lineups into the large field GPP and cashed uh, three of them, three out of 20, but uh, but that's fine. I, I don't mind. I'm playing to win, right? I play to win these things. So uh, especially if you're going to play a smaller amount of lineups, I ain't, play, I ain't playing chalky lineups, right? I think the, the only guy that I, I really didn't care uh, about getting in almost any every of my lineup was Spencer Dinwiddie because uh, he projected so so much higher. I mean, he had like a like salary adjusted plus minus of like twelve, so it's like it, it was very hard to build a lineup yesterday that uh, projected well enough for its ownership uh, without Spencer Dinwiddie. You could have it wasn't one of these hundred percent type of things, but 
but most of my lineups, I think I had uh, Dinwiddie in 18 out of 20 or something, something like that, uh, which the exposures don't matter just as long as the lineup is fine. But uh, I go through results TV. This is what I do in the morning, regardless, right? I've done this in the morning or pretty much sometimes late at night, sometimes after the slate, after the slate in some regard, uh, every day that I've played for, for what, six and a half years? I've been playing for six and a half years. So this should be your morning routine. That's the reason why I do this show at 11 o'clock in the morning, because typically I get up around 11 o'clock in the morning, right? And I go through and go, what happened on yesterday's slate? Let me take a look at some sharp players, you know, exposures, what types of lineups did they built? compare it to mine. Where was I off on ownership, even though I could typically tell when, when, uh, while the slate is going on. That, that's how I judge everything. That's how you should be judging everything. So I'm playing the large field GPP, which means I'm not going to be playing like cash lineups. Okay, if you're playing the smaller field, single entry stuff, thousand entries or less, five hundred entries or less, then your lineups don't have to, you know, sacrifice that much projection, and you don't have to get that contrarian. Uh, you got you still have to get contrarian enough. So, like, I'm judging my lineups based on a thirty-one thousand whatever person tournament that's very top heavy. Uh, you go for glory or don't bother going, and uh, and and I and I. And how I judge my lineups is based on what is my expected ownership, projected expected ownership versus the actual, right? So that that determines who am I playing more of in lineups and who I'm playing less in lineups. So for instance, my best scoring lineup had Dinwiddie, Coffey, Anderson, Baisley, Aiton, Curry, Hart, and Morris. And this was a lineup that had a Will Barton in it. I had a bunch of Will Barton before he was uh, ruled out. He went from like doubtful to questionable and then out. Uh, but uh, he projected very well uh, for uh, first price at a fairly weak position. So I was hoping that he would play and I would get an ownership discount on that because a lot of people were, you know, like maybe he's not going to play. Right. So uh, so that, that didn't work out. So I had to late swap a bunch of stuff. That's why I have 1900 salary remaining in this lineup. Uh, I play a lot of DeAndre Ayton. That did not go well. I thought he was uh, underowned at uh, eleven, and I had him. I had him at uh, at eight percent ownership. Uh, he came in at eleven, so I was close. I was close enough there, so I have no problem with my DeAndre Ayton lineups. So I take a look. What I'm looking at is did the actual like I, I'm fine projection wise on all of these lineups versus their ownership. It's a matter of did the ownership come in the way that I thought it would come in. So like I thought Amir Coffee would actually be like 18% owned. He came in at 11, which means maybe I should have played a little bit more coffee. I think I had coffee in, in 30% of my lineups. Uh, and I take a look at like Baisley. Baisley, I barely had Baisley, I had at like 4%. So if he showed up, that was that was correct. I'd I'd heart around, I think, 32%. So that's that's around the same. Right. Morris, I had less uh owned, but obviously with Barton out, his ownership kind of came up. Uh so I'm looking like I look here at across the board, a lot of sharper players and they, they make all different types of lineups. So it's not a matter of like Chipotle attic barely played Jokic. Right. And then played a ton of uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Right. That like, I'm not looking specifically at that. I'm looking at like, what was the ownership that came in? So like what I see here, this is how I re- review. Who are the, who are the guys that I was the most off when it comes to ownership? Okay. So like Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder had had a had a great night yesterday. He was thirty eight hundred. He almost almost hit ten x. I had Jay Crowder in two out of twenty of my lineups. I 
I had him projected okay. I mean, it, it was, didn't stand out or anything like that. Power forward was a crap position yesterday. Uh, but I had him at like like 14 or 16, something in that range. 14 to 16% owned. He came in at 28% owned, which means the lineups that I had him in. So let's say, can I find a Crowder lineup? Probably not at the bottom. Like, can I find a Crowder line? Where's my Crowder? I, I, I should have him in, in one, at least one. Let's see. Can I find my Crowder lineup? Did I swap off of him at some point? Where's my Crowder lineup? Can we find, can we find it? Can we find Okay, here's a Crowder lineup. Okay. So Dinwiddie, Payne, Bain, Robinson Earl, Aiton, Morant, Crowder, Vucevic. Okay. Very contrarian lineup, obviously, other than, than Dinwiddie. But I, that's what I was trying to do, make Dinwiddie lineups that were contrarian. Uh, Bain, I had around 20. Okay, that's fine. Payne, I had around, you know, 8 to 10. Robinson Earl, I had I actually had lower, like maybe 6%. Aiton, I had like 8 Morant, I had at about 10 to 12. Yeah, that's about right. Vooch, I had around 4%, right? I wanted to get different at the center position in a lot of lineups if I wasn't playing Jokic, right, in Dinwiddie lineups. So in this lineup, 28% owned wasn't that that big of a deal. So I'm, I'm, I'm contrarian to so many other places. But still, like, I calculated this lineup, right, in the total ownership based on Dinwiddie. I had Dinwiddie at 62%. I had pain around here. I had Bane around here. I was a little, a little off on. So this came, this lineup actually came in a little bit chalky, a little bit chalkier than, than I expected for the computation. So it's not a matter of like, well, Jay Crowder did well. So why didn't I play? It's like, well, I, I thought he was, I thought he wasn't that great of a play at 16%. I thought he was a little bit over-owned at 16% ownership. Well, at 28%, he's definitely over. So he provides negative leverage, massive negative leverage in your lineups. So if you're going to play James Jay Crowder, maybe those are the lineups that you don't play Dinwiddie, right? This lineup was contrarian enough that I don't mind. I made a bunch of late swaps last night. So some of this stuff wasn't the, as originally planned, but that's how that's how you judge. I had Crowder at, at 16, I had him at 16% slightly over-owned, which means at 28%, he's massively over-owned. Which, other than petty theft, I mean, most most sharp players came in under on him, overowned. And then the other mistake, if you want to call it a mistake, it's not a mistake on whether or not you play the player. It's it's a mistake in how your lineups are constructed, projection versus ownership. So yesterday, I had I uh, set Jokic's ownership at about twenty five percent. He came in at thirty four or thirty five. I had Brandon Ingram at thirty five percent though. And he only came in at 23. Okay. So it's not like, it's not absurd, absurd discrepancy, but enough that like, I didn't play any Brandon Ingram because at 35% owned, I thought he was, he was over-owned at 35% uh, at the, at the shooting guard, small forward position. Jokic at 25%, I had as, as under-owned, but had, if I looked, if I knew the ownership was going to be 35 and 24 I would have I would have Jokic at about efficiently owned, being like, okay, he doesn't provide positive or negative leverage to the lineup. And I would have Ingram at about efficiently owned at about 24%. But since I thought Ingram would be 35 and Jokic would be 25, I'd obviously have less Ingram and I have more Jokic. There's nothing to do with what they did yesterday. 
Oh, well, Jokic put up 50 and he dotted, right? Ingram put up 56. You should have played Ingram. Like, no, I should have played more Ingram than Jokic only because he came in lower on than I was calculating him to be owned. Toscano Anderson, I, I had it like 12% and about efficiently owned at 12%. At 20%, he's about, he's over him, right? I think I only had him in three lineups anyway, but it's quite possible if I would have put in 20% rather than 12, I may have not, I, he may not have made uh, many of my lineups or any of my lineups. Because he would, he would provide negative leverage. And I'm looking to get positive leverage. Kuzma, I obviously had his over-owned. I didn't have any Kuzma. And we can see across the board right here, most sharp players were, were under on Kuzma because 20% ownership, way over-owned. His efficient ownership was probably 6 to 8% uh, for, for, for his price on DraftKings yesterday. Right? SGA, I, SGA, I had, uh, I think, at like 24% owned. He came in at 20 that's close enough, right? Guys, I played a lot of. I played a lot of the the, the Pistons, uh, the the second unit. So like, I had I had a bunch of like Saban Lee, and some people played some. Some people didn't play any, depending on what you were going for. But at six percent, I had Saban Lee projected owned at like ten percent, twelve percent, or something, and under owned for ten to twelve percent. So given that he was only came in at six percent. He may actually would have made more of my lineups, even though he didn't get there, right? It has nothing to do with whether or not they got there. I was calculating my lineups based on Saban Lee being 10 to 12% owned, which means he fits into lineups for that amount of ownership for his projection. Well, now his ownership goes down, which means he provides more positive leverage to my lineups, which means he's more likely to make more lineups. Same thing for, uh, for Josh Jackson, right? Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson was 7% owned. I had him at like 10 to 12 also. Now, Tenerty Tender had a bunch. E. Hafner had a bunch. Brick 75 had a bunch. Seems like everyone across the board, at least the ones that I, you know, show on screen. I mean, there's like 20 more people that I'd look at. Uh, still had some of them, right? I think it was a positive, positive EV play at 7% owned. Now, if Josh Jackson was 30% owned, I may not have any of them because he would be over-owned at 30%. He wouldn't contribute enough to my lineup projection-wise to make up for the fact that he's 30% owned. So that's the case with Jay Crowder. So Jay Crowder was not projected well enough for 28% ownership. And I only thought he was going to be 16% owned. And I had him over-owned over at that point. So looking at this, had once I see that the once the Phoenix game locks, and I see that Jay Crowder is twenty eight point four seven percent owned, and I and I don't have much of him. I may have played him in one or two lineups. How do I review? I don't even I don't even have to worry about the result of the game. The game hasn't even started yet. It locks. I see twenty eight percent Jay Crowder, and I go glad I don't have him in a lot of lineups. And maybe in the two lineups that I had him in, maybe maybe it wasn't worth playing at all. There's so many other players that were half his own, a third his owned, that were projected around the same as him. So, like, why why are you playing Crowder over so many other players? Right at 3,800, I played Baisley. Right, ba- like, look, I mean, I played a couple of lineups with Baisley. Right, other than E. Hafner and maybe Kobe for MVP, not many people had Baisler. Like, what, what was that dramatic of a difference? Other than, obviously, Crowder plays more minutes, right? 
But projection-wise, Baisley and Crowder were not projected that much differently from each other. So why is one 28% owned and one is 4% owned, right? It's worth it more to play, even if Baisley projects for one and a half points lower. Well, you're also eliminating 24 percentage points of ownership for that one and a half points. Is it worth it? Well, depending on the lineups that you're creating for the contest that you're in, it would be worth it, depending on the lineup, right? It all depends on the lineup. I take a look at some of my lineups, like, uh, let's say, let's take a look here, right? Very contrarian lineups. I, I, I admit, I do make very contrarian lineups. I have Shy, right? I have Dinwiddie in this lineup. I have a bunch of eight that didn't get there. Tor power forward was so weak that why not just pay up for DeRozan? Did he project great at 8,700? No, but he's only 6% owned and at a weak power forward position that a lot of people were punting at. And now I got to find spots, you know, to, to, to pay down elsewhere. So why not Why not play Terrence Mann? This may have been a Barton line. This is probably a Barton lineup also, right? Right, I played a bunch of Amir Coffee. I should have played more Amir Coffee if I thought he was going to be 8, 11% owned and not 16 to 18% owned. I had Iggy as under-owned. I had Iggy at like... 8% owned. And I thought he should be, he sh- should be 14 to 16% owned. doesn't matter that he only put up 10.75 points. I also think Iggy got upgraded when, uh, uh, when they uh, started JTA. Right. So you just look through the lines. He's a giddy. I giddy. I giddy. If I knew he was going to be 12% owned, I think I had him projected for 14 to 16. He may have made even more of my lines. I'd Ananobi like 32% owned. He came in at 26. So, so I, I had less of him because I thought it would be a little bit higher. So this is what my lineups look like, but I'm just, it's not about the people care about more about the name. I care more about the draft than ownership, the draft percentage and the projection versus that, not the actual points, but the projection versus versus that for the contest that I'm in these types of lineups, you would not play in three max or anything small field under a thousand entry type of stuff. But in large field, why not? I played a ton of Aiton. I thought Aiton was the most under-owned player on the slate for his projection. Especially at a position where people were going to play, either pay down, play like JTA, play Birch, or go up and play Jokic. That's why I played Aiton. I played Vooch. And they fit into those types of builds. I didn't have to play Aiton lineups. I got to play different lineups. But for the projection versus ownership, it made sense. right? And I did late swap a bunch of times. So some of these are a little bit off. Like I said yesterday on yesterday's show, once you start making some late swaps, your your projection versus ownership sometimes gets wobbled. So obviously I had Barton. I'd like, like in my original set of lineups of twenty of twenty, I had ten lineups with Will Barton in it. And by the time I could swap out Barton, like the first two games already started, so I didn't I didn't have I didn't have a choice, right? I didn't have less less of a choice. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, do, 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 do. Kickstart says he had a lot of Barton and then he fell asleep before the news. That's not good. Don't go to sleep before the last game locks. Right? Well, especially yesterday. Maybe you fell asleep because the, it was like 7, 7.30 and then three games at 8 and then none until 10.30 and then you're just like, oh, I could just fall asleep and whatever. The Barton news didn't come out that, that dramatically before then, Right? Sky City asks, I know you said this a thousand times, but when you're putting in your exposures, you're putting them in the player pool, not the minic max exposures, correct? I don't I don't know what that means. I don't know what you mean by putting them in the player pool. 
I have no idea. A real money trip. How do you determine if a guy is over-owned or under-owned? By when, when you run the lineups versus the range of ownership that you're looking for for the contest that you're in, they, they don't show up. They don't produce enough for their ownership. I'll show you that for the current slate coming up. I know we got some news that Capella, Reddish, Carter, and Bomber are out. So, I mean, I don't know. The projections are updated. But you'll build lineups. You'll build line. I mean, you take a look. You could take a look at just like the salary adjusted plus minus over here. These are going to be the players that add as much projection to your lineup as possible. But you're comparing that versus the ownership. So, for instance, let's say I was to build 100 lineups. Let's do this. Using the projections that came out this morning. So this says, remember, whenever I'm showing anything in the morning when it comes to examples, you're looking more at the process than, oh, that's what you're going to be having at 7 o'clock. Because who knows? All this stuff changes. All the numbers change and all everything. So let's say I just I just leave it at this, whatever. Let's say uh, the, top, the top lineup, if I run, let's say I run 20 lineups. Okay, I got to put in something. I'm assuming I'm going to get a ton of Dinwiddie and maybe Christian Wood in 20 lineups. And I think I'm in 100 out of 100, you know, 20 out of 20 for Dinwiddie, right? And Lonnie Walker. Why, why am I getting a ton of Lonnie Walker? Okay, so obviously these, as these have, have these projections updated. Let's see. Where's Okay, Lonnie Walker. Yeah, because he's cheap. Okay, so I'm getting a ton of him. All right, so in 20 lineups, the top optimal lineup is 295 at 219 ownership, right? 226 ownership, 228 ownership, right? If you're going to sacrifice projection, you should be lowering your ownership as it goes down, right? So these lineups, 222, 223, these are very cash-like lineups. High projection, but high ownership. So let's say you're playing like a large field contest where like 220% total ownership is just a bit too chalky, right? So let's say you determine, let's say we're going to go, we're going to go through and you go, I don't want to play a line. I don't want to play a lineup that is more than 160%. Owned. Just giving an example. And we built 20 lineups again. So now you're telling the optimizer, you're telling that, that you want the most amount of fantasy points. But you'd uh, for 160 percentage points total in ownership, okay? Which means it's going to prioritize players that have higher projection for the amount of ownership for the total lineup. So if we build 20 lineups in that, like this with 160 as the max, as an example, okay? Right? Get a lot of Deontay Murray. You get no. You get no Spencer Dinwiddie. You got a bunch of spurs. Okay, 281 is the projection. 295. You're giving up a lot of projection. Essentially, the easiest way to get down to 160 is by dumping, is by dumping Dinwiddie. That's what that's what it's telling you. You're playing a ton of spurs. I'm not saying you'd play these lineups. Let's say we put this at 180, right? At a total, and we're 120. We may, we may get some Dinwiddie again. Let's see. Where do we go? Do we do it? And let's see. And B, didn't we? Yeah, we have 45% didn't we? So at, at the 180 zone, 179 here, 173, projection is 285, right? 
top projection is 295. So you, in order to drop down to the 180 level, you have to sacrifice 10 points in projection. Okay. So how are you going to sacrifice that ownership in order for 10 points in projection? Well, these are the players that you'll need to use. So we delete this build. Let's delete that one. Just so we have them in order. So let's do that 160 again. Right? Let's do the 160. And we did the we did the regular. We did the 180. Now we're doing the 160. Right? Just to show it in comparison. So if we just went by total, didn't care about ownership, but we did not care one bit about ownership. The optimal lineups would look, would have more Lonnie Walker, Dinwiddie, Wood, Angonku, assuming what? Capella's out. Cole Anthony, Joshua Primo. Right? We take a look here. Right? And we have here's the projected ownership that we currently have, which obviously stuff changes. So based on this, it looks like we're getting a lot more Angonku than what's projected to be owned. Maybe he's he's under-owned. Is Embiid under-owned? Maybe not. I don't know. Take a look here. Okay, this is the regular. This is We don't care about ownership, right? 220, right, 226. These are like cash lines. When we go down to 180, how much Lonnie Walker do we get? Okay, we start losing some Walker. We start gaining Christian Wood. So in the first run, Christian Wood was 90. No, actually, we're losing Christian Wood. Who are we gaining? Tyrese Halliburton. Let's see. He's 50% in this run of 20. I'm just doing it for uh, for speed sake. You could run this as 300 if you want. Tyrese Halliburton is starting to come up. right? So we have Halliburton at 35% here. Halliburton at 50% here. Then in this other run, 55%. So he's kind of like working his way up. So Tyrese Halliburton at 20% ownership. It's probably plus EV. If you changed his number, right? We're going here. Can we find anyone else like this? Right, Hassan Whiteside, 80%. Is it coming down? 65%. And in the first run, 40%. So Hassan Whiteside at 18% is probably under-owned. Because the lower the ownership you're going down, the more you're getting of him because he has a high enough projection for his lower ownership. Okay. So Hassan Whiteside and Terry's Halliburton. Now let's just say, let's just say, we're going to change that. We're going to change their ownership. So for Whiteside, we're going to bump them up. Okay, so Halliburton and Whiteside, we currently have his 20 and 18 or something like that, right? Let's put Halliburton up to, instead of it, him being 20% owned, I'm going to be a little bit more exaggerated. Let's put him at 30% owned. Let, let's be even more exact. Let's make him twice as owned as he should be, right? Twice, then projected, right? We put Halliburton at 40 and Whiteside at 35, okay? We're doing this as an example, just to show you the concept. So let's start, let's, let's build those three sets of lineups again, okay? So I'm going to go to build rules. I'm not saying that they're going to show up at 40, that, that, that they're not going to be that owned, but I'm just showing you this as an example. So I'm going to build 20 as normal with them in with being way more owned than we projected to be. Okay. So where we are with white. So we're getting white side at 40%. Halliburton at 35% in, in, in 20 lines. Right. Very similar to the first one. Why? Because we don't care about ownership. Right. And in the first one, we don't even care about ownership. So it doesn't matter. Building the first one, it's the same thing. 
So we can even delete it. So now we want to get down to 180, right? So let's say we want to get down to 180. What does that look like? I'm going to do the 180s, and then I'm going to do the 160s. Okay, let's do the 160s. Based on their ownership, I'm assuming their numbers is actually going to come down. Their projection didn't change, but their ownership doubled. Okay, so we take a look at this. In the original run, we have Hassan Whiteside, 40, Halliburton, 35. In this new run, are we even getting them at all? No, literally just not getting them at all. Right. You're getting, no, you're getting none of them. And even lower, the lower you go, you get even less. Right. You're getting nothing. Right. They're over on. They're over at that at 40% ownership. Halliburton is over on for his projection. And if we did it the other way, let's say we did it the other way. Let's say with the Halliburton, we put them back 20 and 18. Let's say they're half as owned as this. So let's put it at 10 and 8. Right. Okay. Now, the original run is not going to matter because we don't care about ownership in the first run. Just do it, whatever. Whatever the total is, it's fine. So now let's build 20 lineups at the 180 zone and 160 zone. I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of them now, more than we did in the first time. So here's the 180. Here's the 160. Okie doke. Okay. So I'm build six. I mean, look at this. We're getting 100% white side and 85% Halliburton now. Going down to 160, now we're getting 100% of both because they're way under owned for their projection, right? Because you want to drop your total number as low as possible for the highest projected owner, for the highest projected points. So the lower owned Tyrese Halliburton gets, lower owned the player gets, and his projection doesn't change, the more he contributes to your line. From a leverage perspective. So all the lineups that you're building like this, right, are going to be calculated based on the ownership that you have in here. Now we have projected ownership that we that obviously is tweaked throughout the day. If you believe like any time for anything, if you if you don't agree with a player's projection, change it. I don't think Cole Anthony is going to play 36 minutes. He's only going to play 34. Well, then change it. I, I never screw with the player's projection, but I do screw with the ownership. One of my strengths is, is, is figuring out human psychology and how, you know, rationally maybe these should be the, this should be the ownership. But maybe Spencer Dinwiddie, because he was so chalked yesterday, actually comes in chalky. We have him at 61.95 currently. Maybe he comes in at 70, right? Maybe Deontay Murray actually comes in a little bit lower than 24. So, like, I go through and I change these numbers. But once I have the numbers, then I'm able to compute the lineups that I want to play. Which is why I said for yesterday's slate, I had Jokic at 25 and Ingram at 35. So, just like what we did with Halliburton and Whiteside, I didn't change the player's projection. I just changed his ownership projection. So, Ingram at 35% owned was showing up in nothing. He was over-owned. Jokic at 25% owned was a little under owned. So he was shown, he was contributing more fantasy points for the lower ownership. That's the name of the game in DFS. This is the game that you're playing. You're trying to build lineups with their appropriate projection and ownership for the contest that you're playing. The smaller the contest, the less projection you need to give up. 
right? The lower score that you need to win. You're not playing against that many people. But obviously in those contests, the ownership may actually be different than in the large field contests. Large field contests, you may have no problem giving up 20, 25 points in projection as long as you're getting the requisite ownership total of your lineup low enough to make it worth it. Especially when it's 100,000 to first and you're competing against 30,000 plus lineups. You wouldn't do that in a 500 entry contest. Give up 25 points in projection for like very low ownership because when first place is 200x and not like 1500x, not, I mean, not 2500x, like your payoff isn't going to be worth. So how do you how do you judge your play? You judge your play based on what was your expectation of ownership and did your lineups make sense with the actual ownership? So looking at the lineups that I had, it's like it would have I would have benefited more by playing Ingram. Not because he did well. Because he wasn't 35% owned. If he was 35% owned, I'd be sitting here going, I have no problem that I didn't play any Ingram at all. In the same way with Crowder, that like once I saw his ownership, I'm like, I'm fine barely having it. And once I saw Josh Giddy's ownership, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have him in a bunch of lineups. He came in lower on than I thought. I didn't have much Trey Lyles in the power forward position. I had him at like around 12 to 14% owned, and he was over owned. So I didn't have much of him. I had more James, but I did have James Robinson Earl at 6%, and he came in at 12. So in those lineups, I have to add six points of ownership to, and then compare it to the projection and go, was it worth it to play that lineup? Maybe it wasn't. So I'm not looking at what happened yesterday. What 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 could I have done yesterday? No, I, all I care about is was my ownership calculations correct for the lineups that I played. I had Patrick Beverly at I had Patrick Beverly at like 14% only came in at eight. So I don't mind him in those lineups. The Rose and I had around the same, yeah, around there. I played a lot of players in this range. Right, Herbert Jones, I had in one lineup. I had him around around that ownership, so that, that would have been fine. I didn't play any Derek Jones. I thought he was over-owned. I actually had Derek Jones, I think, at 12% owned. He came in at 8. I thought he was over-owned at 12, but he's probably over-owned at 8 also. Batum I had higher-owned. Birch I had higher-owned, which means I didn't get much Birch. He had a good he had a good first six, six minutes or so, and then he died. So that's how I'm judging. That's how you should be judging. Go back to your lineups. What you could do, what you could do is leave your lineup HQ up for the day, for the day, you know, the night before, and then go through the ownership, right? And plug in the actual ownerships of everyone. And then put put your lineups back in there. Whatever lineups that you played and go calculate the projection, not, not the actual fantasy points, but just the projection. And then compare it to the, the actual ownership and go do these lineups. Dude, I wanted a lineup that was, you know, 15 points, the optimal and, and 180% owned. And it's like, was this off? The lineup actually came in at 196% owned. It's like, yeah, then that was off. That's how you should be judging, not necessarily by what happened yesterday. And also you could, you know, it's nice to go through a bunch of, uh, you know, sharper players lineups. Especially if you're playing the large field, play the large field, look at the large field stuff and see like most likely these, these players are doing a similar process. 
You're doing it a little, probably a little bit more bluntly. I do it a little bit more bluntly, but a very similar process that they're building lineups. Like the, when they have more of a player, they view them as, as under owned, right? Depending on the construction that you're making, everything else is diversification. So like, I'm like for me to play a bunch of Saban Lee, like I see a bunch of guys that had, that had some Saban Lee. So like, I don't feel like I'm crazy. Boucher did well, but like no one played other than who Kobe for MVP. So I'm looking around like, oh, Boucher did well. He was what? He ended up coming in at 3% owned. Well, no one else. I mean, barely anyone played. him. So it's like, do, do I feel like, should I beat myself up for not having Boucher? No, I didn't have any Zach Levine. And neither did pretty much anyone else. Right. I had some J. Michael Green. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not crazy there. Right. Isaiah Stewart did well, but like no one had him. I mean, one lineup here and what? Boom. A hub row had a, had a sum. Right. So I'm not looking at the results. I'm looking at like, well, how did I not get there? Well, I didn't get there. I had a, I had a Baca. For instance, I had Serge Baca in a couple of lineups. I didn't project it at 4% on. He came in at 2% on. Maybe that, maybe that may have been a, maybe a little bit of a mistake, but Powerful was so weak. His projection versus a Crowder wasn't dramatically enough difference that the, what, 28% for one player and 2% for the other player? Why not? It was like a nerdy tenor played, played some. Other people just didn't go there, at least in the sample that I'm looking at right now. So I hope you understand this. Like, this is how you, this is how you review sleep. Just like this is how you build your lineups. Lineups, not players. Peter Ortenberg, was Kispert an actual free square? No, no one's a free square. Kispert didn't project. Kispert was like there. Uh, Stephen Smith, I've been using the unique tool more than I have been. Sometimes works better than other times. When you use a tool that, let's say two, is it better to lock two or three players in a lineup? I have no idea what you're talking about. You're, you're playing, there's no locking anyone. You're just playing lineups. You're not playing, play, you're not, players don't matter. Wait, let me re, let me refresh this. I don't care what's in the, I don't, I don't, the names don't matter. So let me refresh today's slate, right? We still don't have, I don't think the, the magic, no, the, none of the magic news. This is from what, an hour ago, whatever. The ownership has changed though. All I'm doing is building lineups. So like I'm playing the large field GPP. So I'm going to play, uh, put in a hundred lineups, build rules. It doesn't matter. Just, it doesn't matter what the unique players, nothing total lineup ownership. Right. I mean, we already ran some lineups that, you know, that came in at two, two, two twenty, those types of things. Right. At the first run, we ran 20 lineups. It's like, here's like, here's like cash lineups, 219 total ownership, 226, 228, 222. 219, 222, like the top 20, like it's just the, in a large field contest, probably too chalky. Some of these have four spurs in them. I'm not worried about that right now. That's all I'm looking at. I'm not looking at the players in the line. I'm not even looking at the players in the lineup. I'm just looking at these two numbers, right? These two numbers here. It's like 216. Let, let's, let's take a look at lineups. Let, let's just do 20 for speed's sake. Build rules. Let's look at lineups that have a max of 200. Doesn't matter what they did. All, all the unique players is, is for diversification. 
What unique players or what what uh, what two hundred percent owned total lineups as of right now? So we're getting what one ninety nine two ninety. We're giving up sacrificing five points or so for twenty percentage points in ownership. So let's say let's say let's say you play a couple of these lineups, okay? So I look down here, 199, 195, 199. Why would I play a lineup that projects lower than what? This lineup is owned at 195 and is higher projected by a little bit than this one owned at 199. So the top lineup would be technically better. I'm going to get rid of this, right? Can we beat 195? Just showing a very shortened process. So I'm only building 20 lineups at a time. Wouldn't necessarily build 20 at a time. Right, 195, 88. Right, it's a little bit lower. 194, 194.27, 198.66, 194.51. No, okay. We take a bunch of these lineups. So like here's five lineups around 200. They may still be too a little bit too chalky for the large field, but we could save. Let's say save this this and all lineups below. Okay. I'm gonna go. I'm going to pull out like 180s, maybe. You could do 190s, 195. You could do whatever the hell you want. I'm just showing. Here's 20 lineups. Very abbreviated process. Kind of 179, 173. Anything under 170, anything under 173. Like I said, this takes not anything into account when it comes to diversification. Right. As you see here, I'm not even looking at the players. 170, 172. Okay. We're going to save these lineups. Save this in all lineups below. Okay. Let's say, let's say uh, one, 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 uh, we didn't do 190 either. So let's do 190. Let's do them by tens if we wanted to. Let's see what the 190s look. 189, 189.1. 187, 185, 185, and it'll be 185. Let's see. This is based on the current numbers, remember. Like I said, this is not something you do now at 11.43 in the morning. Let's save the list of all lineups below. Let's go to the 170s. Let's pull out some lineups from the 170s. Get 20 lineups out for this. Okay, 169, 167, 162. That looks like a pretty good lineup. 162, 50. I'll probably get rid of these. 160. Save a bunch of these lineups. 17, and let's do one more. One more at 160. So as you're going down in ownership, you're going down in projection. Right? So these lineups are what? About 14 points lower projected than the optimal, right? Right. The optimal right now is 295 at 219% owned. So you're dropping 50, 60 percentage points in ownership and 14 points in projection. Okay. So 159, 159, 158, 158. Be 150, 157, 157, 154, 151. Okay, I think that's going to be good for that. 
151. Okay, let's save these lineups. Okay, let's delete all these other builds so we get some room. So I got 23 lineups here. Based on ownership versus projection, not taking into account any type of negative correlation. I don't know. Do you play three Spurs in the lineup? I don't know. I'm not, we're not concerned ourselves with that. I have a ton of uh, Neku and uh, uh, Kongu. So based on our current projections, based on our current projections and ownership, looks like Angonku is underowned at 17.6%. That's why you're getting so much of them, right? Spencer Dinwiddie, you're only getting 39% when you're saving these lineups. Maybe all these lineups are fine. Maybe you could use all 23 of them. But let's say, let's say, for instance, you're only playing 10 lineups, okay? You're only playing 10 lineups. So you have 23 saved. Like, which ones do I want to play? Well, if we deem that all of these, all of the lineups that we picked out, right, that we saved are about equal to each other from an EV perspective. Obviously, the lineups that get lower and lower owned are higher and higher variance, right? That's why if you're going to play a more diversified strategy, a more diversified set of lineups, I pick some from certain ownership ranges, right? Instead of going by player. I want some of this and some of that, and then put it all in here. So maybe, maybe do we want to have, do, do we want to put all of our eggs in the Anekyu and Gangwu or whatever bucket? Maybe we get rid of some lineups that, that, that have them in it, right? So let's go through some Ankongu lineups. Maybe we get rid of some of the, the lineups like this, right? We go just through the Ankongu lineups. Right, they should be as lower owned as you go down. They should be 185, 179, 173, 173.7. Right, they should be lower. Right, all of them should be lower than the the ownership should go down as the projection goes down. Maybe you want to get rid of some of the chalkier lines. Right, maybe you don't want to play Dorian Finney Smith. Maybe it could be whatever. Doesn't matter what what your reasoning is. Right, so maybe we get rid of this line. Okay, we got rid of that one. Let's say, let's say we also don't want to have uh, Deontay Murray as much. So now we're looking for a Congo Murray lineups. Let's see. Here's a Congo Murray lineup. Do you want to play Kata Bates Diop? Do you? Maybe you don't. Okay, so get rid of that. You go through. Here's a Murray Murray and Congo lineup. Maybe get rid of that. Here's the Mario Congo lineup with three spurs, but you don't want to play three spurs, right? So maybe you're going through and looking like that. Here's four spurs. You don't want to do that, maybe. Here's three spurs. <coughs> spurs, spurs. Here's four spurs. You get rid of four spurs. Okay. Those are our Congo lineups. So we're down to 15 now. You still have a bunch of Christian Wood. Do you want to have a bunch of Christian Wood? Who knows? Like this, now, now, at this point, you're just eliminating the lineups that you don't want to play out of the lineups that you are in the bucket of these are plus EV lineups. So whichever way you want to do this, you can do whatever way you want. If you don't want that much of a guy, then take him out, right? You want this? Okay, get rid of this, right? On Kongu Wood lineups, get rid of them, right? Where's another Kongu Wood lineup? Okay, get rid of that. It's like, okay, they're, they're, here's my 12 lineups. Do you want Murray in this lineup? Maybe you want Murray, Murray, Wood, and Kongu. Can we get rid of one of those lineups? Let's see. 
<coughs> Murray Wood of Congo. Okay, we get rid of one of those lineups. Murray Wood, Derek Jones, you want to play him again? Maybe you don't. Okay, screw it. And now you're down to 10 lineups. And there you go. So these are the lineups you'd play. Done. I mean, that. there you go. Here's a process. I mean, this is much, much more abbreviated. Right? A lot of times I wouldn't just be going through 20 lineups each. Obviously, I'd also be changing the ownership numbers. <coughs> Obviously, the numbers are going to change by the time we get to 7 o'clock at night anyway. But there you go. Like, did I... Was I, was I looking at players? Other than diversification, other than, oh, do I want to play a lot of this guy? But once I get the lineups that are, like, projected versus ownership and the ranges that I want for the contest that I'm in, pick whatever amount of lineups you want. I could have saved, if I did 300 lineups at each of those runs, I could have ended up saving, in total, 300 lineups. And then choosing 20 from there. I could have. But for time's sake, I'm not going to do that now. But throughout that entire process, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even looking at the players in the lineups, right? I'm just building the lineups for the projection versus ownership. That's it. You're done. <coughs> All the basketball stuff is already in the projections. That's building lineups. You could do this in any DFS sport. You could do this in any sport. Basketball is even easier because the correlation is really, you don't have to care that much about correlations. Correlations in NBA are very weak. So probably probably you're not playing. The only correlations you're probably not playing are guys that eat each other's minutes. <coughs> right? You're not playing the point guard and the backup point guard unless they play on the court together to close or something. Where you'd rather one guy get more minutes than the other guy. Not you know, center and the backup center. They're typically not going to be on the court at the same time. So their ceilings are going to be intertwined with each other. That's those are the only ones that I care that much about. Everything else is like whatever. Certain situations, maybe you don't play three or four guys from the same team, but depending on the price, maybe you do. <coughs> there you go. Everything else past this point is just diversification. It's just a, a matter of diversification. Like imagine me saving instead of 23 lineups, I saved 700 lineups. And I said, in that bucket of 700, these are all plus EV lineups. And you can, and I want to play 50 of them. You could, if you would have just randomly picked 50 and close your eyes, that would be perfectly fine. Or if you just randomly picked 50 and did that every day for forever, you'd end up with the same amount of money that if you went through them, which ones do I want to play? Would end up coming out about the same. So you could have just randomly picked that. Or you could be like, well, I have 700 lineups. I have 90% of them are on Yeku and Kanku lineups, but there's still 10% of them that aren't. <clears throat> Do I have to play 90% on Yeku and Kanku? No. You can play, you can play 50 of the lineups that have none of it. Like out of the 700 lineups that yeah, you have, right? 70 of them don't have Ngaku in it. And you could say, but the 50 lineups that I'm playing, I'm playing the 50 that don't have Ngaku. If you say that all 700 lineups are about equal to each other from an EV standpoint. There's no reason that you couldn't play zero of a gun. There's no reason. Obviously, there's more lineup to choose from that have a minute. There's also ones that don't. So you could choose. It's like, oh, I'm, I only want to play 50% on Gonku. Okay, that's fine. You have 700 lineups to choose from. 630 have on Gonku and 70 don't have. It. Okay, so out of the 70, you're playing 50 lineups. So pick 25 out of the 70 that don't have. 
and then pick 25 of the ones that do happen. Now you have 50% of them. If you wanted to do that, that's perfectly fine. That's a risk tolerance. That's a diversification thing. That's all what, what you personally want to do. But once you decide, once you say that all 700 lineups are, you're fine with any of them, feel free to just pick them randomly if you want. Doesn't matter. Pick them by name. I like the guy's shoes. Whatever reason you say, it's not going to matter. From a game theory perspective, it's neutral. Pick any of the lineups as you want. Obviously, the lower projected lineups and that are lower owned are going to be higher variance. They're more likely to come in last or first more often. So if you're going to play 50 lineups and you play all of them like that, high variance lineups, you, you'll have plenty of slates. You'll have a, a, a vast majority of slates where you're losing 90% of your interest fees. But the one time that you win, you may you'll win the whole goddamn thing. You just lose a lot in the process. So if you're going to play 50 lineups, you could choose to play 50 of those very high variance lineups if you want. You could choose to play 50 of the lower variance versions, not cash lineups, but still lower variance lineups, and realize that you're going to cash a little bit more often, but your first place equity may go down a little bit. So your swings may be a little, a little bit lower. Or you could play a mix of them all. You have 50 lineups. I'm going to play 10 lineups from this range, 10 lineups from this range, 10, 10, you know, different variance ranges and go there. That's fine. Or on a certain day, just like, nope, I'm just going to, certain days, you you could go out of the 50 lineups that I play. I'm just going to lock in three guys and go like, I'm just going to bet, bet, bet the farm on these three guys. And just out of the 700 lineups, I'm going to find the lineups that have all these three guys in them at once. And do I have 50 of them? And you count them up and you go, oh, I have 63 lineups that have all these three, the same three players in it. Up 100% lock money. The 700 lineups that you picked out are about equal to each other from an EV standpoint. So whichever way you pick them, it doesn't matter. Pick them whichever way you want. Kickstart, if you think someone over-owned is going to fail, well, then I could just stop you right there. I don't think, I don't, I don't think anyone is going to fail or succeed. Well, you bump the projection of the next couple of guys with the next highest usage right now. I don't predict outcomes at all. None. I don't care. I literally don't care what happens. I don't even understand why you would even care. If you think a high, if you think a guy is overall going to fail, like, I, there's a probability attached to that. That probability is already built into the projections. What's going to happen on one given night? I've I have no idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna call a bet on 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 with one card to come. Someone bets ten dollars into a two hundred dollar pump. With a flat with a nut flush draw. Okay. So four and a half to one shot to come in. I'm getting paid 21 to one on my money. Do I do I care whether or not this one time that the flood that the heart shows up? No. But if I continually get 21 to one bets on four and a half to one odd events, I'm gonna make tons of money. This is not the last game, this is not the last hand of poker ever. All I'd want to do is make plus EV decisions and I make money over time. So what happens on this one slate, who cares? I don't think about it. It's all the probabilities are already factored into the projections. X player has X percent chance of a, of a probability. I mean, we have, we have smash percentages here even. Compare that versus ownership. There you go. Done. 
What's plus EV? What's minus EV? How can you combine eight players in your lineup that make the highest EV lineups for the contest that you're in? Real money trip. How much of this goes into three max and single entry GPPs? All this, this is the same thing. Obviously, in three max and single entry GPPs, the ownership is going to be different. The chalk tends to be chalkier. So you have to factor that in. Spencer Dinwiddie, we have currently at 62% owned, projected owned. In the large field contest, maybe in your single entry contest, he's 85% owned. So these calculations that you make and compare projection versus ownership, you have to change that number to 85. Whatever you whatever you think it's going to be. <coughs> and then base it on that. Then also know that smaller field contests don't need as high of a score. You only have to beat 500 people versus 30,000 people. So you're probably not going to sacrifice probably not going to play lineups that sacrifice 30 points in projection and knock off half the ownership in the lineup. You, pro- you don't, probably don't need that. You're probably playing lineups that are closer to the optimal. Maybe they're, maybe they're five points off. Maybe they're 10 points off. Probably not 30 points off. And then comparing that to the ownership of that contest. So playing single entry in three max, ten, people tend to play safer. People tend to play higher projected lineups, which means someone like like Dinwiddie or Lonnie Walker, right? Maybe Lonnie Walker's 35% owned in the large field, and maybe he's 48% owned in the small field in your contest. So when you put your lineups together, like you have to factor that in, those numbers into those contests. Joseph Sanchez, how do you determine how to tweak ownership projections based on contest size and single entry three max one fifty? You have to judge. That's welcome to the skill of DFS. <laughs> how do you do it by being good at doing that? Do I know that Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be sixty one percent? No, I don't. These are these are estimates. One of my strong points is being very good at, at guessing ownership. I think Spencer Dinwiddie in the large field is going to be much higher because he did well yesterday. If, if Dinwiddie didn't do well yesterday, his ownership may only be 50%. Nothing's changed other than the perception. And the, the larger field contests tend to be a little bit more inefficient because there's a, more weaker players that play them. People will look and see that Dinwiddie did great yesterday at 6,000. Beal is out again. They're playing Orlando. And if he was, he was what, 65%? What, it was 65 yesterday? 65, maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's 75. Rationally, he probably shouldn't, should only be 65. But maybe he's going to be 75. And then in the single entry contest, maybe he's 85. Maybe he's 88. Maybe he's 72. You have to, you gauge that. I don't know. Lonnie Walker right now is 35% projected on. But I think with some... News that comes out, his ownership may start going down. Christian Wood, like it, it all depends on what, what, what stuff changes. We're not playing in a bubble. So I, I like seeing what other sites are saying. I, looking on Twitter, just seeing sentiment in general, seeing projections from around the industry. Sometimes they'll be off by a couple of minutes here and there. A little discrepancy. Go, oh, people are looking there. They're going to play a lot more of this guy versus that guy. It's like, okay, well, our ownership doesn't reflect that. 
So he'll bump up the ownership. So there you go. To an exact number? No, I don't do things exactly. I don't care about being precise. I care about being directionally accurate. Is Davion Mitchell going to be 22% owned? I don't know. By six o'clock tonight, I'll, I'll, have a better, I'll have a better understanding. Maybe Davion Mitchell is only going to be 12% owned. And I'll change it. I'll, I'll, I'll change all of these numbers. That's what I do. To the most relevant players, the players that are all the way at the bottom, that are never going to get in my lineups anyway, I don't even care. I X them out. Who cares? So maybe I put them at 12. Maybe I end up putting them at 15. Maybe whatever. There's not, I, I'm not going to, there's not going to be an exact number. there. I'm looking around the industry and going, okay, Joel Embiid versus Christian Wood. Well, I've heard so many people talk about Joel Embiid. So maybe he's going to be more like 26 or something. And maybe that'll lower Christian Wood. Maybe Christian Wood will actually be lower. Maybe Jake, maybe Hassan Whiteside, people got burned by him or something. Who knows? Maybe he only comes in at 12%. Up. Like that's, that's all I'm doing. So like, how do you determine? Like, I feel, I guess. You could simulate. I mean, if you, if you have a more precise process, you could simulate, you could, Take the lineup, take the, the contest that you're in. Use the, you could use the current ownership like this and just simulate, you know, uh, most of most lineups are going to be within a certain projection standpoint and project what the lineup, the actual lineups are going to be, and then see from there. That may be a little bit more precise methodology. We have to determine in something. That's the skill of DFS. Money O, do you slim down your player pool, leave all players in and let the projections do the work? I'd, I just let the projections do the work. I The only thing I do is I eliminate like the really low projected, the really low, low guys, just for ease. Just so I'm not dealing with, you know, just so I don't have to, I don't, I want, the, the only players that I have in my pool are ones that I'm at least going to change their ownership, right? So like down here, like some, some of these guys I may not have, uh, who knows? Depends. Do I have any Robert Williams or something? Maybe I don't. I start Xing those guys out towards the bottom. And the further I go down is dependent on the, the contest size. So obviously the large field contest, I'm more likely to, you know, it's more, we're more willing to sacrifice projection. So I don't mind the lower projected guys as much. If you're playing single entry three max, you're probably getting rid of a lot of those guys. It wouldn't be worth playing. You don't have to. I don't make a player pool. I do not care about players. I don't watch the games, nor do I like basketball. Okay? I do not want, I, I don't remember the last time I watched an NBA basketball game. Some of these players that, that are here, I don't know what they look like. I couldn't pick them at, yes, I could pick out LeBron James. I kind of know what Deontay Murray looks like. Dinwiddie, I know what he looks like. I know what Embiid looks like. I know what the Iron Fox looks like. Lowry, Whiteside, yes. How, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I could pick, pick out Terry Halliburton or Cole Anthony. Doctor Pertle, I know he's a t- tall, tall. He's a tall white guy, right? All I'm doing is building lineups with these numbers. That's it. That's what. That's what. Uh, going across the board over here, all these guys on the all, all the best play. That's what they're doing. Also, maybe not petty that. Pet, petty, petty. Petty, hand-in-the-dirt type of guy. Most of these guys. E. Hafner, Chipotle, Oxenduck, 
nerdy, they're entertained on yet. Daniel doesn't doesn't watch any of these sports. Brian Hooper, Brick, he, 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 he doesn't even know how to pronounce most of these guys' names, right? Just plays DFS. It's, it's, a, it's a math game. Uh, Joseph Sanchez, in large field, small stakes, uh, like the FanDuel, Nickerel, or the DK Quarter Arcade, would you stray farther from the optimal because the field is so large? Yes. Or not so much because the players are less sharp. No, all, all, you'd still stray farther from the op. You still have to beat so many, so many lineups. The thing is that the ownership is much. It's going to be much less efficient. Players that should be higher owned aren't going to be. So you're going to be able to build much better projected lineups than the field. Right, Spencer Dinwiddie, like like yesterday, for instance. Like if you went to the higher stakes contests. He was like 90% owned. In the large field contest, he's 65% owned. So he fits into more lineups in the in the in the large field contest. But it doesn't mean you're playing cash lineups in those contests. It just means it's easier to play Dinwood. In the high stakes contest, it's harder, harder to play Dinwood because he's 90% owned. He's not provide he's not providing positive leverage anymore. He's actually providing negative leverage. In the large field contest, Dinwiddie at 65% yesterday was under-owned. So you're most likely going to have more Dinwiddie in your liners because the field isn't as efficient. Money O, would it be safe to X out any player with a 15-point projection or lower? You don't have to do whatever you want. There's no safe, there's no not. You're building lineups. You're not picking players. You're building lineups. Would a lineup with a 15-point projected player make it into some lineups, depending on their ownership? Maybe. If you don't want to play them in any reason, then next them out. Fine. Don't build lineups with them. That's fine. Kickstart. If news breaks out 15 minutes before lock, how much do you approach the psychology of players, of other players? I feel like most players don't have enough time to really think about it outside of jamming in the new. Well, you have to judge that. That's what you're judging. That's what, that's what makes NBA DFS hard. From that standpoint, when you're the type of person that judges ownership, 10 minutes before lock, something happens. It's like, oh, this guy is, you got to play this guy. Most, most of the time I jam because more of the field, especially in large field contests, don't adjust well enough. But if I'm going to jam that, if I, how much of the field is jamming? So that new guy that was 5% owned, now I may project as 25% owned or 30% owned or 35% though. And when I do that, I also have to take off the ownership from other players. I can't just move a guy from five to 35. If he was a shooting guard, let's say, I have to look at all the other shooting guards and start bumping them down. Right. And then I can calculate my lineups again. But that's what you have to judge. How much do you approach? Are you judge it whatever way you judge it? The only numbers that I change in lineup HQ are the ownership numbers. That's, that's, that's how I play the game. I play, I play a, a heavily exploitative strategy. I'm looking to play lineups that have the most positive leverage for their projection. So I'm trying to play the most under-owned players in my lineups and still have my projection be high enough. But in order for me to do that, I need to be very, I need to be much more accurate with the, the ownership. Like I said from yesterday, I had Jokic and Ingram's swapped ownership wise which led me to have more Jokic than ingram if i was accurate it would have been the other way around i don't know if i would have done any better or worse yesterday but 
I wouldn't have had any Crowder, right? I mean, like the same thing. Like I had Crowder at 14. So that's all the only thing I could judge it by. Did I did my lineups make sense from the actual ownership versus the projection ownership? And if my lineups made sense regardless, what else can I do? Go on to the next slate. Continue to build lineups that are plus EV for the size and strength of the field and the contest that you're in. That's it. That's DFS. Okay. You could always ask any more questions in the, in the Discord. Blender's Game Theory channel. Uh, the next uh, the next private uh, coaching call, group coaching call is on Sunday. Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. So if you're part of, part of that channel, you have to be a Roto Grinders premium member. If you're part of that channel, uh, I will be there. So uh, sign up for Roto Grinders premium. Click on the link in the description to get $10 off your first month. And as always, all the, these types of concepts that I talk about are, are in the theory of daily fantasy sports. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that I have. How to think like a professional DFS player. It explains what projections are. It explains all the game theory of, of and it applies to any sport. It's not just for NBA. It's for anything. This is how you play DFS in general. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, and psychology. 15 hours long. It's like a seminar. I mean, it's all this type of stuff I talk about on the on this show, the DFS pregame show. But instead of going through 500 hours of content, one nice little reference point, 15-hour seminar that you listen multiple times. That's what I, I suggest you do. You, you listen to it once, you play for a month, listen to it again, play for another month. The concepts, you start, you, once you, some, eventually something will click. Typically, that's what most people experience. Most people experience an epiphany, right? Then we have people in the chat that have, right? Once you, once you figure out what this game is all about, everything clicks. And then you look at like, oh, I, all the questions I've been asking the past four years, how dumb was I, right? That's, t- that's typically what, what happens. They go, wow. Wow. I didn't realize playing the game was so simple, right? And you go, wow. I was doing so much work that didn't matter. Wow. And then you start playing better. And then a year or two goes by and then I get messages of, you know, someone went, you know, what Shrek, right? Didn't Shrek win the Millie? You want a million dollar showdown, right? It was someone that was in the chat also, you know, there, I mean, we have tons of guys like that that are in the, the discord that are like, I was crappy for four or five years. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I took your course and I started to, oh, my, my results started to get better. And then, oh, then I get DMs and, oh, I won $50,000 GPP here. Oh, I won $100,000 GPP there. Right? Right? Not every day. Obviously, you're going to be losing most of the time. So you can go to theoryofdfs.com, get the theory of daily fantasy sports. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got NBA Grinders live later today and crunch time for premium members. Still got some NFL playoff content stuff going on uh, on, on the YouTube channel, on the Road to Riders website. But uh, we'll see what happens tonight on the NBA slate and then go over it uh, tomorrow morning and answer your DFS strategy questions as always on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.